Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back here live from Fenway. Arcand in for Butch. John Tomasi in for himself. We're here on Lansdowne Street in studio. Talking to you out there at 617-779-7937 on text at 37937. And let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, John. He writes about the Celtics for the Boston Herald, and he's been doing it longer than I think any Celtics writer in the city, right? Or oh, anywhere. God, yeah. Oh, by yeah. by, is, by a is, lot, he right? He's the dean of NBA writers. Forget yes. about the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no question about it. Steve Bullpett, Boston Herald, joins us here on Sports Radio WAEI. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Steve, um, first of all, thanks for coming on. And uh, second of all, we've been talking to some fans here in the in the first hour as we got ready for uh, our conversation with you. And for whatever reason, I couldn't I couldn't really put my finger on it but it seems like Celtics fans after what was an incredibly uh, exciting season with you know a, a team that the city has really fallen in love with it seems like people are you know not quite as as jazzed for this series as I thought they might be well I think it's a very difficult series um, you know of the three teams the Celtics could have met in the in the first round this was the the one team against whom they had a losing record um, and I think this is clearly the toughest matchup. Um, the Hawks last year were a 60-win team, and they kind of faltered in the playoffs. They had some, some issues. Uh, but, um, you know, they've, been, they've, they've gotten it together uh, in recent weeks, and um, I, I think this could be a, a very difficult matchup. I, you know, then again, the way the Celtics have, have shown themselves, um, I really – can't be surprised or stunned if, if this series turns out with either team winning in X number of games. It's, it's, I think it's wide open. Steve, you wrote yesterday, uh, you referred to, you know, which Celtics team will show up as kind of a moving target. If you had to pick, which team do you think we see that? Second half against Miami or the team that lost two of its last three? Uh, look, I, I think these guys will come out with a, with a, a cohesive effort. But uh, at a certain point, if, um, if Paul Millsap and, and Al Horford are, are stepping out and making shots, making perimeter shots, I think uh, Millsap was five for seven on threes uh, a week ago last Saturday when the Celtics played here in the end of the regular season. Um, that's, you know, there's not much they can do about that, put it that way. Yeah, it, it sort of seems like that's something that, you have to plan for with this team because their bigs are so good. But, Steve, what really got me, and we were talking about this just a minute ago, about that Atlanta game was the fact that Jeff Teague and Dennis Schroeder went went off for 39 points on these Celtics guards who rarely, if ever, let that happen. Well, it's a little misleading because, you know, the things that happen in transition aren't basically, you know, this guy scoring against this guy. And, um, you know, even even when you get – uh, the defense rotating when when you get the ball movement and, and the court spread, it's really difficult to to pin anything that happens on the guy who was originally assigned to guard that person. So you know, uh, 
but still, the, the point's well taken that uh, uh, when the Hawks play their game, they are very tough to stop. Um, the Celtics are a little bit more predictable than that, uh, but it, I think it's, it's clearly going to be incumbent upon people like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder to be hitting their outside shots in this series. Steve, how deep is this bench going to go for the Celtics in this series, and will they be able to sort of go with two units like they have been all year? Well, I, I think that's got to be the, the Celtics' best hope in this series is they'll, they'll, they'll go at least nine deep, uh, and then, you know, whether Rozier or um, Tyler Zeller is that 10th guy will depend, on, I think, on matchups to a degree and, and how the games are running. But um, the Celtics' bench needs to be a huge part of this. And you had some injury issues down the end with uh, Jay Crowder out and then Avery Bradley missing a game for the birth of a child. Um, I think the, the getting the bench back together, in particular Evan Turner and Marcus Smart, and then, uh, you know, Kelly Olynyk has been uh, taken, a, he's taken a giant step forward this year. Um, but those guys have got to be on, and, and Jonas Derevko as well. Uh, those guys playing together has got to be uh, a real strength here because that's where the Celtics need to make hay in this series. Steve, you mentioned injuries. Is Isaiah Thomas's wrist a concern at all? I think it is. Um, he's not saying it, but uh, you know, um, you know. But then again, he's, he's had the games where he still goes off and makes shots. So um, you know, do I think it's a concern? Absolutely, because you've got. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's going to drive to the basket. He's going to get hit. He's going to go to the ground. Uh, does he catch the wrist the wrong way and take something that's, that's not good and make it significantly worse? That's got to be a concern for the Celtics. What do the Hawks do well against him? Because you look, you know, he, he's, they've, I'm not going to say they've made him ineffective, but they've been one of the better teams in the league at slowing him down. Uh, what do they do well against him? Well, he's done pretty well against the Hawks in Boston, not so well here. Um, you know, uh, maybe it's all the Coca-Cola products that are being served. <laughs> they kind of weigh him down. I don't know. Every place you turn. Uh, but, um, no, the, the Hawks, Teague and, and Schroeder are, are good defensively, and the Hawks are the number one defense in the league uh, by, you know, whichever set of metrics you choose to look at. Um, but, uh, that kind of approach is what's needed because uh, when the ball gets rotated uh, and the closeouts happen, Isaiah Thomas will get by the first line uh, in a lot of cases. And then it's a question of how cohesive your defense is, and the Hawks' defense is, is very good in that regard. Big picture question for you, Steve. You've, uh, you wrote about this either today or yesterday, uh, the fact that the Celtics are really kind of auditioning themselves for free agents mm. uh so how important are the playoffs in that respect one and then two indulge a pipe dream and is there any chance that kevin durant is so impressed by what they do uh this spring that he considers boston well i, I think in, in, the, in the latter case uh durant will be more impressed by the fact that they they'll have the salary cap slot for him uh they will also have the opportunity to sign another max player if they if they so choose, and uh, as you saw with when the Celtics traded for Ray Allen in 2007, that made Boston a, a much more palatable stop for 
Kevin Garnett, who even though that was a trade, that was essentially a free agent play because he had to agree to a lot of stuff before that, that trade could be made. So, yeah, I think those things are already there. But it's, you know, I, I think in, it, it wouldn't hurt for this team to make a run. Players watch other playoff games. Uh, you know, that we, we're in the Sweet 16 now. Uh, if the Celtics get by this round, there will be eight teams playing. So, uh, you know, guys watch these games. If they see a team that's cohesive and that, uh, hey, if I were on that team, we could do this, this, and this, uh, that would help. That's, it's all part of the recruiting. Um, the Celtics last year, I really don't think that in, in Danny Ainge's heart he wanted to make the playoffs. I think he would have rather taken a shot at the lottery. Um, but this year, when you have the, the Nets pick to do your dirty work, uh, they clearly want to make the playoffs. They want to show themselves to be a team on the rise. Uh, you know, as, as much as the, the 76ers catch a hard time, uh, they could turn out to be really good really fast if Joel Embiid hits, if, if Dario Saric comes over from Europe. Uh, but people look at that team and say, wow, that's, just, that's like Siberia right now. But players looking at Boston, and you've got you know, guys like Isaiah Thomas trumpeting what kind of place this is to play, um, that can go a long way. So, yeah, you want to look good in these playoffs. You don't want to get embarrassed. Uh, you want to have players think that's a place where I can go and win. As I mentioned, uh, the, the first two things are for a free agent is can you pay me? And for the major free agents, that means do you have a, a max salary slot available? Uh, the second thing is, you know, how am I going to be used? Do I fit in with what you want to do? Third thing is can I win there? Can I compete for a championship there? Um, the Celtics clearly have the first two things you know if Kevin Durant wants to come here uh, they can pay him and they'll they'll fit whatever they're doing to what he needs to do uh, the third thing is is a little more nebulous and you know a good run in these playoffs could make the make the, the franchise look better to to guys not just the top tier guys but the other guys you want to sign remember in 2007 one of the key signings was relatively minor uh, when it was made, but it was James Posey. Guys like that who will you know, maybe take a little less or will go away from maybe a preferred city to come to a place where they think they can be part of, uh, of going for a ring. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're saying Durant and LeBron should be coming. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd, I'd take the former. Uh, the latter, you can uh, you know, keep the drama elsewhere. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look. Kevin Durant is going to look at Boston. I know that you know uh, it's been brought up to him through uh, friends of his, uh, you know, friends in the league. Um, so you know, the recruiting goes on all the time. Steve, uh, we're talking with Steve Bullpet here from the Boston Herald. Steve, with uh, if that's true, if Kevin Durant is looking at Boston and he is sort of impressed with what's going on here in this team and everything else and how he might fit into it, how realistic is it to think that if they do get someone like Kevin Durant, and I know that's not super realistic to begin with, but if that's the case, who's to say that this team is going to look like this when he gets here? I mean, won't there have to be some some pretty serious uh, moves to be made in order to to facilitate all of this, or do you think we'll see a similar team just with Kevin Durant now? Well, um, again, let's let's – state again that, that I'm not sure what the odds are of, right. of Kevin Durant ever landing in Boston, but they're not huge. 
Uh, but, well, but Player not, X then, whoever it is. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, if they, if they bring in a max guy. Yeah, well, but the odds of Durant aren't, uh, aren't absent entirely either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but look, he's a free agent. You can sign him as a free agent. Uh, you can do a sign-and-trade, which would make the roster look a little bit different. But look, the Celtics have, outside of Isaiah Thomas, who's a step above, what the Celtics have now are very, very good complementary players. Um, and they're deep with those guys. So, um, you know, I, I, you don't have to sell off the farm to get a major free agent to, you know, here. You don't have to do a, you don't have to do a sign and trade. Uh, the guy, the, the, the only reason you do a sign and trade is so a guy can get the extra year and get a little bit more money out of you. But a player like Durant's going to get that money anyway. Um, and he may say, hey, look, yeah, I choose not to take the extra year. I choose to come to a team that has the pieces that, that I want there. Um, you know, so I think free agents will be looking at things that way. But again, you know, a lot of what could happen this summer uh, is going to involve trades. The Celtics have, you know, the draft picks. Um, they're going to find out where they land in the lottery with the Nets pick, see if the guy that they think can be a difference maker will be there for them or the guy that they've rated to that position. Uh, and they'll talk trades. And, you know, as much as you can say, well, it's cool to have the assets, you have to find a dance partner. The Celtics don't hang the, the banner in 2008 unless there's a real special set of circumstances in Minnesota. And again, I'll state here, and I've written it a, a ton, it was not about Kevin McHale and Danny Ainge being friends. It was about the Timberwolves ownership going to Kevin McHale and saying, you have to trade Kevin Garnett. You know, we can't, you know, we can lose without the guy because we're not winning with him. And he's, he's costing a ton. And what was available to the Timberwolves then were basically came down to two packages. One from the Lakers led by Andrew Bynum, who was a pack of questions then, and one from the Celtics led by Al Jefferson. And that was clearly the better package, and that's why Kevin Garnett wound up in Boston. It really is fascinating, Steve, that the Celtics are in this position where, on the one hand, we're talking about can they get to the Cavs and maybe give them a series, even if that means only winning one game. And on the other hand, we're talking about the third pick potentially in the draft and how well set up they are for the future. It just it makes you – it's impressive the job that Ainge has done. Yeah, but again, it, it takes good fortune as well. And, you know, I, I certainly won't deny the work that, that Ainge has put in here, but – uh, in 2013, you had the wonderful situation, if you're the Celtics, of the Brooklyn Nets bidding against themselves yeah. for the services of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I mean, you know, life is good. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a, a, a good situation for uh, for them in that in that regard, and not one that most GMs can look at and say, "Yeah, you know, something like this just fell into our laps here." That was probably, as far as all the Ainge moves are concerned. I mean, there's you know, there's been some some ones where the planets just aligned perfectly, and I sort of wonder, you know, with this many years of having all these draft picks, Steve, and all these you know pieces and everything to try and move with, and they haven't been able to do it. It almost seems like they're kind of due, right? Well, yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, and it's even wilder than it appears because you've already had one first-round pick from the Nets. You get mm. their first-round pick this year, and you're only allowed to trade away your first-round pick 
in uh, in you, you can't do it in consecutive years. It's the old Ted Stepien rule because the league didn't want teams to have no hope for years. But in this trade, the Celtics not only get the Nets pick this year and again in 2018, but they have the right to swap picks with the Nets' first-round positions with the Nets next season. So uh, the deal also, by, by having that part of it, helps keep the Nets down, so which means your pick in 2018 will be better than it might have been had the Nets stunk next year and gotten a very high draft pick for their own to keep. All right, Steve, before we let you go, game one is tonight. How do you see this series going? Who advances? And in how many games? Uh, you know, I, I would say right now that uh, I, I think it's a very, very tight series. Um, but I do, I do think that Atlanta has the edge. Um, but again, as I said at the start, I wouldn't be surprised if either team won the series. And I wouldn't be surprised or stunned even if it was four, five, six, or seven games. I, you know, this, this thing could, could uh, as close as it is, um, one slight tipping point could send the thing reeling in one direction or the other. All right. The great Steve Bullpett joining us here on Sports Radio WEEI. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Guys, be well. All right, that's uh, Steve Bullpett, Boston Herald, joining us here on Sports Radio WEEI. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. It's Christian Arcan, John Tomasi, live from the Fenway Lansdowne Street studio here on Sports Radio WEEI. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.